Welcome to the Bethel Church Austin Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this sermon by a special guest speaker. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit BethelATX.com. Okay. Well, you've already had an introduction from Joaquin, but Jeff, I like potatoes. So next time you go to Romania, I will come with you because that sounds amazing. But you guys, we just love the Collinses, like Joaquin said. They're really more family to us than they are friends, and so it's such a joy to have them in our house. And why don't you guys stand up and welcome Jeff as he comes up to share the word. Now let's give it up for Jesus. He's amazing. He's glorious. So it's really dangerous for Joaquin to refer to stories. And technically, story time does not count against preaching time. So you want to hear the potato story? So there's these Romanian farmers of Hungarian descent, Shani and Dora, and their, their daughter Esther. They drove to where a pazza where we had had in the first few days. We had several hundred saved. And then over the next few weeks into the thousands, and uh, there was just this movement of Holy Spirit that was crazy. And uh, they, they came, this was probably three or four years after that initial revival, and they were all depressed because there had been extended drought, and uh, they had dug down in hard ground, they're potato farmers, and uh, their potatoes were the size of a rock. And uh, they thought that the farm that had been in their family lineage for centuries was about to be taken from them. They had no faith for it. And so we began to pour in love and prayer to them. And I had had this prophet friend and son in the faith that he prophesied that he saw like large ears of corn, you know, and I thought, dude, I've been with you to a, a, a Husker game, and you wear corn hats. I know why you're seeing corn. <laughs> but he prophesied corn over them. And I'm like, wow. And, 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 and even Shawnee said afterward, I, I, he said, I didn't think that guy was a good prophet, you know. <laughs> but he also prophesied that there, he saw a paved road from the highway from Brashoff into a pazza, which really should be called renamed a pothole because you could lose your car in those in those potholes. And the next day after he prophesied the day before, there was machinery and asphalt machines ready to pave that road. Thank you, Jesus. And so anyway, Shauna, Dora, their daughter, they have no faith. They're just it's all gonna just fail. And so they go back, and they're going to harvest what they think are these little rocks. They get their light plow, one trailer, and they put the light plow in, and it won't move. And they think it's rocks, but they get a shovel and dig down. And in the dry soil where there had been no rain or moisture, there's like these Idaho bakers in the ground, And they got trailer load and trailer load of big baker potatoes. They saved the farm. (laughs) And so 
the next year, I mean, we had no money. My wife and I, we had like, we had nothing. And we were going from there to Moldova and Ukraine, and it's all, you know, at your own expense. And we didn't know how we were going to do it. But Shawnee gave us an offering from the baker potato that he got the year before. And that carried us through Romania, through Moldova, through Ukraine, back through Europe. I spent the last of it when I got back to Texas for barbecue. Hallelujah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm feeling dangerous if you hadn't already felt that. You want to hear just one more tiny story? <laughs> All right, so it's, it's, it's just like, so. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> we better be careful. <laughs> So, Joaquin came to visit Jahi in Cyprus. And I had a little blue truck, a little Mitsubishi blue truck. I called it Little Blue, all right? And I would take great leaders of the faith prayer wheeling, not four wheeling. <laughs> the more dangerous the road, the greater release of prayer. <laughs> I had a money back guaranteed for their prayer life would be just going to a new level, a new realm. <laughs> and so I was telling, they just kept hitting me up for all kinds of revival stories. And, you know, everything reminds me of a story. I was telling one story after another. And I was telling, I think, at the Mexico offering story when we pulled up to the base and to finish the story and then I said but I want another story and the next day Kessid's father who who was singing up here a dear friend Jewish brother David Ruba he had got up his heart was broken because they were going to have to start shutting down buildings of the base because of no money and so I was the speaker, you know, that week, and so sometimes, you know, uh, it was easier just to do rather than ask, you know. So I get up, I played the cello, and there was a sister had a cello there, so I played the cello there. But then I got the empty case and and pulled it up, and no one told me to get off her case, so. I just got right there. That was really bad. Come back. (laughs) So I just opened up the case and tell them people give. It was the most holy offering I've ever seen in my entire life. It was probably close to a four-hour offering with maybe 60 people. 60, maximum 70, 
Well, probably 60 people, and most of them poor students, like, you know, desperate students from Europe and different places. And, and people, children were giving all of their, their allowances. People were giving everything. I had made a vow that I'd never, I was used to giving away everything along the way. Until I did that in Romania, and I got to Cyprus after Romania, and no one picked me up at 4 in the morning, and I didn't have money for a phone card in those days. And I've made a vow I would never give down past $10. Guess what I did? I went to my wallet four times. And at the end of that offering, you know how much it was? 77000 Seven hundred and seventy-seven dollars and seventy-seven cents. <laughs> whoa, whoa, well. <laughs> Lord, we just thank you for your abundance right now. We thank you for abundance, Lord, for churches, ministries, movements, Lord. We thank you just that you're a good dad and you open up your hand and you satisfy the longing of every living thing, Jesus. We thank you even right now for uncorking God unstopping wells, God. We thank you for things that are in inheritances that are, have been hidden, God, will be revealed. We thank you for opening windows, over open heaven's windows and pouring out. We thank you for open doors and open windows and open hearts and open nations and open cities. We thank you, God, that you're the God that opens a door that no man can shut. And God is declaring right now there's more doors than you ever imagined that are opening up. And God is releasing ascending anointing from Bethel Austin. You have already been gathering. You have been gathering, but now you're going to be already be sending out. There are nations, specific nations that God is highlighting, will highlight, and there will be goings and comings. I see, I see a whole company of angels. I see a whole company of messenger angels dispatching angels being released. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Somebody say more, Lord. Somebody say more, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. We worship you. We worship you. We thank you for encounter, Lord. We thank you that you still draw near. We thank you that you are Emmanuel. You are with us, not against us. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We know this is a season. As John said, the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. 
the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and full of truth. We know that Jesus' birth was miraculous. The, the eyes of the Father, the eyes of God that run to and fro across the earth. All of a sudden, those eyes stopped on a simple young woman named Mary. And so, angel is released. The announcing angel, Gabriel. And he begins to speak to her. You know the story. That the Holy Spirit would come upon her. And that would be, that would, what would be in her would be called the Son of God. That same Holy Spirit wants to rest on you. That same Holy Spirit wants to hover, indwell us, and as it were, impregnate us with the kingdom of God. With the Son of God to carry his life. We know that Jesus first, as a babe, he was laid there in that manger. But the wise men knew that he, knew he was to be worshipped. The wise men knew that there was gifts to be presented, protocoled. That he was the child, the child that had to be taken from Bethlehem down into Egypt. Then after that, they came back in, not to the home city because of the anti-Christ, the anti-Messiah spirit that was manifesting but to Nazareth, a place with a dubious reputation that when Nathaniel heard about it, he said, can any good thing come out of there? And we know then at his bar mitzvah, he went to Jerusalem, present himself to be presented there at the temple. And in that moment, he already knew who he was. He astounded the who's who of the religious scholars with his words. His Mary and Joseph and the family had left, didn't realize he was not with the others. And then, yeah, they go back, they find him. And when they began to, you know, say, why have you caused us this? He said these words, did you not know that I must be about my father's business? So he already knew what his destiny was. I wanted to stop in this moment and, and thank you, Lord, for releasing destinies in this place. Releasing destinies, God. Then... 
The rest of those years, we know very little, except if you've ever been to Nazareth, first of all, modern-day Nazareth is a traffic. You think there's bad traffic in Austin. Go to Nazareth. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like Jericho. It's straightly shut up. <laughs> And in Nazareth, he worked hard every day, lived a hard life every day, knowing he was the Son of God. Don't rush the process. Don't rush the process. And then, of course, his coming out moment in the baptismal waters there at Beth Arbor where something happened as John, his cousin, was about to baptize him. In Luke's gospel, Jesus began to pray. And as he prayed, the heavens opened over him. What opened those heavens? Certainly his prayer, but also his act of obedience to fulfill all righteousness. I just want to declare over Austin that there is a rending of the heavens over this city. That God is rending these heavens and there are openings like there have never been before in Austin. And I can speak because of the decades I was living near here. Thank you, Father. Thank you for open heavens, Lord. Thank you even for open heavens right here over this meeting, Lord. And we thank you, Spirit of the Lord, for descending and remaining on us. We welcome you, Holy Spirit, in all of your fullness. To indwell, to come, and to rest in us and rest on us. Then we see him being led by the Spirit into the wilderness, Luke 4, after first, then after being tempted those 40 days and nights, he went up in and returned to Galilee. And then he opened the scrolls. They didn't have iPads. They didn't have chapter and verses. They had these large scrolls, and it could take literally hours and hours to find the peace that you were looking for in the law and prophets. But he scrolled immediately and chose a text so holy that rabbinical tradition, whatever that is, says that it was reserved only for Mashiach, only for the anointed one, and he turned right there. And he began to read, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives. Somebody help me right now. The opening of prison doors to those that are bound to give to all who mourn in Zion beauty for ashes the oil of joy. (laughs) 
The oil of joy. I cannot find in my extensive study of baptisms that there ever was a baptism in lemon juice. I said that for the first time, all right. (laughs) To give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Then he simply closed the scroll and said, Today in your hearing this has been fulfilled. And they wanted to kill him for that. In Luke 5, this is where I wanted to get to. He goes down to the Galilee, the Galilee of the nations, the different ethnos, the different ethnic groups of the region of the Galilee. And as he entered the Galilee, It was fulfilled the scripture. Those that sat in darkness saw great light. And he began to do the stuff. Three things that he came to do. To save, to heal, and to deliver. To save, to heal, and deliver. And in Luke 5, we see that he goes and he calls the guys out. You know the story. they Toiled all night. They hadn't caught anything. He said, launch out into the deep and let down your nets. And they caught a great multitude. And after that, Simon's convicted. Lord, leave me. I am a sinful man. He said, no, just follow me. So they followed him. Stop just a moment right there. Sin... It should never be the issue that holds you back. He paid for all sin. His blood cleanses all sin. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And then this is what I heard this morning. I said all that to get to here. After healing a leper, he goes down. And after withdrawing into the wilderness and praying, verse 17, it happened on a certain day he was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out from every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present. To heal all of them. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. That felt so good, I just want to say it again. (laughs) And the power of the Lord was present to heal all of them. Certainly, To heal all of our diseases. Certainly to heal mental issues. Certainly 
to heal broken hearts. Certainly to heal fractured souls. He paid the price, the ultimate price, so that with and by his wounds we are healed. The power of the Lord was present to heal all of them. And it caused problem because Jesus just said to them, man, your sins are forgiven you. Thank you, Father. I just want to declare your sins are forgiven you. Walk and live in forgiveness. And that you have freely, who have freely received forgiveness, certainly freely give it away. And if you're harboring unforgiveness, then you're in a lockdown. You're in a prison. And Jesus wants to set you free from that. And then you know the story. Some guys that actually didn't have a roofing permit. <laughs> I mean, think about it. If all of a sudden sparks and fires start coming down and cutting torch comes through. <laughs> I mean, that would make the paper, wouldn't it? <laughs> and these guys lower their crippled friend down. And Jesus just said, I, I say to you, take up your bed and walk. This is um, my fourth time to relearn walking in my life this year. I was born crippled and had to wear leg braces when I was a boy. That was no fun going to first grade with leg braces. And, um, and at age seven, my legs were surgically broken below the kneecap and reset. And so I was bowed leg, but never had ridden a horse. <laughs> but I do like the horse around. <laughs> and so after that, they did their best. Then at age 14, I was playing football, throwing a paper route, good old North Dallas boy, and uh, all of a sudden, I'm in ex horrible pain. I'm taking, my mom takes me to a doctor near the old Texas Stadium in Irving. He, he sees me just for a few moments and said, you've got to get him to the hospital quick. 
and he takes me to Children's Medical Center there just above downtown Dallas and Parkland area. And I had a disease that was inflaming and deteriorating all the ligaments in my joints. And uh, they, they thought and told me that I would never walk again. But my mom told me. <laughs> God, Bible, and mom, right? <laughs> my mom told me I would be interviewed by specialist doctors, UT med students. They would come in groups, and I would, they would ask me similar batteries of questions, but I would tell them it doesn't matter because I will be healed because my mom told me. <laughs> if I say this scripture with the stripes of Jesus, I will be healed. I could do a wheelchair, and so at age 14, I was the oldest and the coolest in the children's hospital. So all the other little kids, burn kids, wards of the state whose parents abandoned them, I would lead them in procession in the halls of the children's hospital with my wheelchair, but I would get it going real fast and pull a wheelie and spin it around. And the nurses saw me and took away my wheelchair privileges. <laughs> so I was confined to quarters. The last night I was in that hospital was the worst night I've ever had a pain in all my life. I screamed in the darkness most of the night. I've had malaria three different times, first in Haiti, then in Kenya, and then in India. And in India, I, I, I had the cerebral, cerebral malaria that kills. When Will Hart and I did a meeting together, Will told me, Jeff, you're the only third person that I've known that has survived cerebral malaria. But it didn't affect me at all. <laughs> This is really not the way I planned this. <laughs> but that night, just at the breaking of the day and became a pattern in my life, Jesus came into the room. I didn't see him, but you know him. And all of a sudden, burning fire just came all over me. And when I opened my eyes, I knew I was absolutely healed. And I got up out of bed. I walked to the nurse's station. <laughs> Good morning, girls. <laughs> I'm out of my room. <laughs> I'm back. Father, help me. <laughs> I've had the joy of carrying his gospel to 55 nations. 
but my feet are not that beautiful. <laughs> Thank you, Father. <laughs> Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. <laughs> Let's take a happy break right now. <laughs> Someone give him praise in this house. Ruth is preparing to come up here and rescue me. <laughs> Anybody just want to say more right now? Anybody just say, Lord, I need more. I want more. Would you come and move on me, Holy Spirit? Would you come and touch me? Would you come and release healing grace and fire? Thank you, Lord. Would you heal my wounded heart and spirit? Would you set me free? You are the Lord that heals all my diseases. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I just tell one quick story. <laughs> Ruth, would you come now? <laughs> Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Just, um, wow. So you just love Jeff. <laughs> just stay in that place of receiving right now. The miraculous of God is in the room. And the love of God is in the room. And what's about to happen in this room is bigger than the people in this room. <laughs> Jeff said earlier, this place is supposed to be a sending place. And I feel like part of what's going to happen over this weekend is that there's going to be calls that the Lord reminds people of, reignites people, that there's going to be mandates that are given out. And there's going to be this sending thing where he says, this is what's inside of you. And this is the strategy to go and do it. That it's not just about a couple of people, that everybody in this room, there's going to be mandates given out. There's going to be a sending that goes out. And part of it is miraculous grace that we're going to experience in a crazy way in this room. But it's so that you take it out and you see it impact other people. I'm getting excited. Jesus, come on. Okay, I'm going to share um, my testimony real quick and then... <laughs> and then Jeff and I are going to have some fun <laughs> Jesus is going to do some stuff. But when I, was, when I was 15 years old, I got diagnosed with a neurological condition. So up until that point, I played a lot of tennis, was doing well in school. Um, and then I got this condition, and I went from being happy, healthy, to being in constant pain. 
um, to having to be in bed for like months at a time. My parents would have to help me with really basic things like sometimes cutting up my food and helping me wash and all these different things. I had to use a wheelchair because I could only walk a couple of steps and then my legs would give way. And as a teenager, you think, okay, I'm going to get... I'm going to get healed. I'm not going to get healed. I'm going to get better. Um, and the doctor said, there's no, there's no cure for this. And so I was actually sick for five and a half years with this disease. And I didn't know that God healed people. Um, I didn't know he still did that. So I, I grew up in a Baptist church. And then I went to this church and they started talking about God healing people. And I was like, wait a second. He still does that? Like... <laughs> I didn't know this. This is exciting. I'm like, hey, I could get my life back. This would be amazing. I'm going to get prayed for for healing. And I got prayed for for healing and nothing happened. And so because I didn't have any theology on healing, I didn't um, know what some of us maybe in this room know. I thought, well, you don't get something for nothing. So I must need to do something. And as I share this, I can feel the love of God in the room, but I feel like there's this healing of disappointment that's going to happen in the realm of the miraculous. And so if you have disappointment in the, the, the realm of healing, I feel like God's going to remove that from your heart, and he's actually going to breathe, uh, breathe hope back into you, hope for your healing and hope when you pray for others. Like I really feel like this is a pivotal moment, and I, I feel strongly that this next year that we're going into is a year of breakthrough and a year of crazy miraculous across the body of Christ. And I feel like there's this breakthrough and there's this upgrade that's available right now. So even as you hear this, I want, this, I want you to let it impact your heart and remove that root of disappointment. But so nothing happened, and so I thought, well, I must need to do something. Clearly, it's, something's wrong with me, right? And so I thought, okay, maybe I'm not reading my Bible enough. Like maybe if I could read my Bible more, then God would heal me. Which, how many of you know, reading a Bible is super important, right? But I don't read my Bible to qualify for God's blessings. I read my Bible to find out about what blessings Jesus qualified me for. It's the same behavior, but a completely different mindset. You see, the Bible calls healing a gift, not a reward. And what happens when we make it a reward is we change the nature of God from a, boss, from a father to a boss. From someone we have to earn something from instead of a good father who's saying, I want to give good gifts to my children. A loving, a loving father. And so when reading my Bible enough didn't work, I thought, well, maybe I'm not praying hard enough. Maybe I'm not praying the right prayers. Again, prayer is super important, but it's not in our ability to pray. It's in his ability to answer. We've got to put our faith not in our own ability to pray, but in the one we're praying to. So that didn't work either. And then I thought, okay, God. I remember getting to this point where I'm like, okay, hey God, here is the deal. I'm going to make a deal with you, and it's going to be a good deal. I'm like, look, if you heal me, I will share my testimony in front of hundreds and thousands of people. I'm like, God, you can do it at the biggest event that's possible, and you'll get all the glory which in my mind sounded great, but I'm like, God, here's a marketing plan. You do this for me. I'll do this for you. I can make you look real good. Like, I'm like trying to twist God's arm. And this goes on for, for a while. And then I actually stopped asking God for healing altogether. I was like, well, clearly he doesn't want to do it. And then God started speaking to me, which was a surprise because, again, I didn't know he still did that either. Thank you, Jesus. There's upgrades in the prophetic available, even right now. 
Oh, thank you, Jesus. I feel like some of you guys, like I've been speaking to you all along through these random thoughts and you think they're random thoughts, but they're God thoughts. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to jump to a really quick side story, guys. Follow me, but I feel like I'm supposed to share this. The anointing of Jeff has come on me for storytelling. Uh, <laughs> Real quick, Steve and I were in England, and we were doing this. We were doing this service, and we we just felt like we were supposed to just flow with Holy Spirit, see what happens. I'm saying something. I don't remember what it was. I'm trying to find what God is doing in the room. And Steve uh, hears God say, "Go stand off to the side of the stage, and just stand there." He doesn't tell me this. He just tells Steve this, right? So we're preaching together, and Steve just leaves the stage. And I know, I'm like, what are you doing? And just awkwardly stands like down here. And Steve's like, this is weird. Like, I'll just see if I can see the room in a different way. But as he does that for the first and only time, right, he goes into a open vision. And he has this open vision and he sees this girl that was um, at the meeting who was in a wheelchair. And he sees her like running and dancing and this freedom coming over her. And she's like running through these fields. And so he's like, okay, this is, this is crazy. By open vision, I mean, it's, it's like it's right there. Like, it's not in his imagination or his mind's eye. It's like, like he's watching a movie, right? And so he sees this girl, and so he goes over to her and says, okay, can I pray for you? And she, what's going on? And she says, I've got MS. I uh, haven't walked for over a year. And she said she had to use this, like, pulley system to get it in and out of the bath. Like, she was really, really sick, a young university student. And Steve said, okay, I'm going to pray for you. And she starts praying for her. And as he prays for her, she's like, my book bag is on my feet, and it's uncomfortable. And he's like, okay. And she's like, that's weird because I couldn't feel my feet before, right? <laughs> and so, I know, you can get excited. And Steve's like excited. And then she's like, no, can you take it off? Like, it's actually uncomfortable. <laughs> like, take it off. And so Steve's praying for her for a while and chatting with her. Meanwhile, I'm a little bit giving him like dagger stares of like, come back up here. We had a, like a plan together and you're just <laughs> botching this. <laughs> God forgot to tell me, but it's okay. We're still friends. Um, and so, so I'm kind of giving him the look of like, get back up here. And he realizes that. And so he comes back up on stage and we carry on with the meeting. Well, a few minutes later, she just stands up out of her wheelchair. With no, nobody's praying for her. She stands up out of her wheelchair. And we're watching and she just starts going like this, like going up on her tiptoes. She's walking around. She starts coming up on the stage, going up on tiptoes. She's like, it's as if nothing ever happened. She grabs her wheelchair, puts her friends in it, puts her backpack on her back and starts running laps around this conservative Anglican church. Got completely healed. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Jesus. But did you hear how it started? Go awkwardly stand this side of the room. Like there's, 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 I, I feel like God's igniting things where it's like, you're hearing my voice, but it sounds weird. But there's, there's, there's freedom to explore it. Anyways, my story. Okay. You guys following? I'm trying to twist God's arm, trying to make him heal me, right? Then he starts speaking to me and he says, Ruth, I don't want to heal you because of anything you've done. He said, Ruth, I don't want to heal you because of anything you will do. He said, Ruth, I don't even want to heal you for a good testimony. He said, my healing to you is a love gift. 
Like for a girl that was desperately trying to earn what God wanted to give me as a gift, this was like revolutionary to me. And then I went to this meeting and I had an encounter in this meeting. This guy was speaking and I was reminded of a time when I was lying in bed and I was crying because I was in so much pain and I was so frustrated about all the things that I couldn't do. And my dad was sitting on the edge of my bed and my dad was crying. And I remember my dad just saying to me, I just want my little girl back. And he said, if I could wave a magic wand and take your sickness and have it myself, I would do that in an instant. And God reminded me of that moment. He said, Ruth, I am your dad. And I want you to be well even more than your earthly dad does. And that is why Jesus did pay the price for your sickness on the cross. Like this is the basic gospel, but we have to get it into our minds that we're not trying to twist God's arm for breakthrough. He's a good dad. He's like, I don't want my kids to be sick. You can't earn a gift. You can just receive it. So that happened to me. The next day I went back and this lady called Heidi Baker was speaking. Who I was like, who is this lady? I'm like, I like you, but I have no idea what is happening right now. <laughs> but I want to be like you. But at the end, she gave me a hug. Which, funny part of this story. Um, it was, I went through a fire tunnel, and it was my first ever fire tunnel. So if you don't know what a fire tunnel is, it's a prayer tunnel. So two people stand, you walk through, and you pray for you. It's my first time properly going through one. So I go through this fire tunnel, and I feel all this wind, all this wind coming at me. And I'm like, wow, it's so cool. Like, it's impossible to almost get through. It's like this gale force wind coming through. And she gives me this hug, and she just holds me. And she holds me for such a long time. And as she holds me... Um, I remember feeling more love than I'd ever felt in my whole life. And I remember going, how can I feel this much love from a lady that I don't even know and doesn't know me? But I know I was experiencing the love of the Father. And then after a bit, she let me go and I said, please, can you pray for my Emmy? And she said, that's what I was praying for. She's like, you need to go and buy yourself some running shoes. And she started prophesying over my life about the miracles that I would see and the crazy things that would happen. And I remember that sickness just lifting off of me. You can get excited if you want. Jesus, 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 Jesus. I remember standing up and praising God without pain in my legs. I was at university at the time. I got to go back to my housemates and they got to see the disabled girl on campus walking, which was really confusing for a lot of people. And also got to see some of my friends get saved in the process. My parents got to come pick me up from dropping me off super ill to being able to help clean my room and pack away my wheelchair. And the next day I started, God's, uh, started seeing God do miracles through my life. Guys, I'm excited. He's in the room right now. The funny part of the fire tunnel side note was then I went to Bethel to be a school of ministry student and they did a fire tunnel. And I remember I went through it and I was like, that's weird. It's like, where was the wind? And so I went through again. I was like, ah, still no wind. So I went through a third time because in my mind I thought if people prayed in that way, you felt wind. <laughs> I just had no idea. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> the mind of Ruth. Okay, are you guys ready to see God do some miracles? Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to pray over you. If you want to receive an upgrade in the miraculous, just go ahead and stand up. 
Hopefully that's everybody. <laughs> thank you, Jesus. Just put your hands out right now. Father, I thank you that Bethel Austin is going to be known as a healing center, but a healing sending center. <laughs> Oh, Father, I thank you right now for an impartation coming on every person in this room to see radical, radical breakthrough in the miraculous. Father, I thank you that you're uprooting disappointment right now and the questions that some of you have that have been stealing your peace when it comes to healing, that have been making this topic so hard. I saw the Lord come in kissing your heart. He's kissing your heart and saying, it's going to be okay. And I heard him say, I'm bringing redemption to everything that's been stolen in this area of your life. I'm bringing redemption. I'm bringing redemption. God, I thank you. You're the God who redeems. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Some of you, your families have battled with sickness for decades and decades and decades. And I just heard the Lord say, I'm raising you up as a healing revivalist. It's going to see radical miracles everywhere you go. And the enemy overplayed his hand when he started to mess with you. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Holy Spirit. The last thing I felt, just as you're receiving this prayer, but I felt like God said, I'm turning praying for the sick into something you have to do to something you get to do that's a fun adventure with him. He's taking the high stakes pressure off. I like to think of healing kind of like going to work with my dad day. And my dad's like this amazing architect and has all these plans and I'm sitting on his lap coloring with crayons. Like feeling like a big deal, like I'm doing the same thing, but I'm just hanging out with my dad. That's what healing is. <laughs> we get to hang out with our dad. Holy Spirit, thank you for unconditional love coming in the room. And a sense of childlike adventure when it comes to healing. <laughs> so if you need a miracle in your body, why don't you go ahead and raise a hand for me? Especially if you're really disappointed with the miracle that you need. Just on Tuesday, there was a guy that had been through three years of ministry school, and he was in a meeting and that, we, that Steve and I were speaking at, and he had, had severe wrist pain for five years, had been in so many meetings where they prayed for the sick. So it was his third year of school of ministry, and he got completely healed. You can be excited about that if you want. We were just in a meeting with a lady who had 25 years of back pain. Her back was fused in three different places. And she got prayer from somebody else in the meeting, not from us. And she started to be able to move in ways that she couldn't move. All the pain that left her back. Come on. Come on. Guys, this is exciting. Real quick, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. What God has done once, he's willing and able to do again. Like a testimony is not a good story. A testimony is something for us to grasp and say, that's my Jesus and he wants to do it again in and through me. It's not about a good story. It's about a prophetic declaration that the same Jesus that lives inside of that woman, the same Jesus that lives inside of Jeff, the same Jesus that lives inside of me, lives inside of you and he wants to get out and he loves the person in front of you. I love the testimony of Jesus. 
Thank you, Father. Okay, so if you need a miracle, anybody, go ahead, put a hand up real high. Just reminded, keep, keep your hand up, but I feel like God's wanting to strengthen somebody's nails. If that's you. <laughs> really weird. So this in England, and God, I felt like God's like, it really annoys you, and it's painful. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, I saw God lifting off migraines from people. And I specifically saw a grace um, for like depression, schizophrenia, some, some things that you've been struggling with in your mind, like digestive issues, anything with walking. It's just been a theme today. So if any of those things apply to you, go ahead and keep your hand up. And everybody else, we're just going to activate the word we've received, right? So I'm going to have you get into groups around some of these people with their hands high. Can you put your hand up really high? We just want a lot of targets, okay? Beautiful. Please don't pray for somebody that you came with, okay? Somebody different. Somebody that you haven't prayed for 20 times. And you're not going to pray yet. You're just going to get around them, okay? You guys can have fun while you do this. When somebody is with you, can you go ahead and pull a hand down? When somebody's with you. And then just take a look, team, if you can help partner people up as well. If you don't have someone to pray for you, give me a big wave. You need somebody? You can, you can join other teams too. You can get into groups of three or four. So fine, if somebody's near you and they're waving at me, grab them in. Anybody else still need someone to pray for them? Over here, beautiful. Anybody else? Give me a wave. I want to make sure we've got everyone covered. Over here. Can you join a group here or someone with this lady here? You got it? Beautiful. Okay. It's a little bit of instructions. There's a few rules. You guys ready for rules? Rule number one is you have to have fun. Say, I will have fun. We don't have fun doing it. We won't do it again. (laughs) Remember, it's like going to work with your dad day. That means you can say, Holy Spirit, how should I pray? And you can do something that feels weird and fun because this is a safe place. Rule number two is please do not give a full medical history, okay? We just talked about disappointment, but we don't want to kill the person's faith before they start. So if you have a bad shoulder, don't say, I've been operated 25 times. Um, Bill Johnson has prayed for me. Randy Clark has prayed for me. John G. Lake just came back from the dead, appeared in my room. He prayed for me. I met Jesus himself. Nothing's happened, but good luck. Okay? Just shoulders good. Let's not kill their faith before we get going. Rule number three is you've got to pray short prayers. Because rule number four is that you're not allowed to try. (laughs) You can swim this round. (laughs) You're not allowed to try because Jesus already tried for you. He's done it. Your job is to be a kid. And final rule is that if you're able to, you're going to test it out. Okay? So real quick, I want you to ask the person, what is wrong? And then I want you to ask Holy Spirit, how should we pray? I want you to take a risk doing it. You're going to pray real quick. And then you're going to test it out. Everyone got it? I just, before we do, I just want you to say, God heals people through my hands. I received an upgrade tonight and I'll never be the same again. Okay, find out what's wrong. Pray for them. Be creative. Have fun with Jesus. I'm going to give you 30 seconds.
Make sure you're having fun. Jahi is modeling that really well. <laughs> I love watching this for the <laughs> He's doing a new thing. He's doing a new thing and he's breaking us out of the box of the way we've done it before. <laughs> Yes, Lacey. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. up here real quick you guys are doing good real quick we're not done we're just pausing for two seconds you guys are doing so good I just want everyone in the room to test out your body real fast if you're able to just try and do something you couldn't do before jump up and down run around if you need to use the steps to walk up and down I feel like God's um, correcting like a crooked knee even right now thank you Jesus Good job. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, I'm going to have you guys look up here real quick. Your attention up here. Beautiful. Okay, if you have noticed God do something in your body tonight, that your body is different to how it was before, I want you to go ahead and wave both hands above your head like this. Keep waving. Come on, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. Can you give Jesus a massive shout of praise? God, you are so good. You are so good. You are so good. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Just listen up real quick. I feel like he's not done yet. And as, as you guys were praying, I felt this like pioneering creative spirit being released. And I felt like some of you were getting it and doing some, some crazy things. But it was this childlikeness of I'm going to push the limits. Because with Jesus, there are no limits, right? And I was reminded of the story of a man who came to Bethel because he had stage four brain cancer. And he traveled across the country to come to our healing rooms. But he came on the one weekend, basically, of the, the whole year that our healing rooms are closed. And when he found out the healing rooms were closed, he got mad. Because he's like, I came all the way across the country. I came for a prayer from the healing rooms and it's not open. And so he wanted a man of faith to pray for him. He's like, he wanted our pastor, Bill Johnson. Or he wanted Chris Fowler. He wanted someone that is known to pray for him. And so when he's mad and he's asking for people, they say, you know what? We've got just the people. And they take him up to kids' church. Come on. The people we call the big guns, right? And so this man is, this man is even more mad now because he's wanting Bill and he's surrounded by small children. And their teacher says, okay, kids, this man has 
cancer in his brain, I want you to ask Jesus how we should pray for him. And so these kids take a second, they ask Jesus, and she says, if you get something, put your hand up. And this one little boy puts his hand up and he says, Jesus said, we're supposed to flick the cancer off, okay? Angry man surrounded by small children. Now flick, angry man, okay? (laughs) Well, when they flick him, his symptoms leave. He goes back to the doctor. They have before and after things. Every trace of cancer was gone from this man's body because they flicked him. Jesus, 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 Jesus. See, kids get it. They know that it's just about having a good dad. They don't think I have to pray the right prayers. They flicked him. They don't think I have to know every word of my Bible because they can't all read yet. They just understand I have a good dad. He wants to do something through me. So I want you to pray again, but I want you to pray as a child. I want you to say, Holy Spirit, how am I supposed to pray? And we've got the big guns coming in. These guys can pray for people, yes. So I want you to go back to the person you're praying for, thank God for what he's done, and then ask him again, Holy Spirit, how can I pray like a child with a pioneering, creative spirit and believe that you're doing a new thing? So go ahead, take a minute, pray again. Prayer can look like flicking the person. Prayer can look like jumping up and down. Prayer can look like laughing. Prayer can look like saying a word because what he's doing is breaking you out of the mindset that you need to earn a free gift. Okay, go for it. Go for it. Some dancing going on. (laughs) You can draw pictures. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit BethelATX.com.